Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Don't get much worse than that, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Hello, everybody. Hey. I'm sounding a bit echoey. I'll sure get right into that. Hey, I hope you've had a good day. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, my first Father's Day. It's been exciting. Yeah. I've survived. I was saying to Stephen downstairs this afternoon, yeah, Kayla is still here. Still all the right number of fingers and toes last time I checked. And uh, I consider that a win in my book. So, um, you know, that's exciting. And uh, who knows, maybe next year there'll still be ten fingers, ten, ten, yeah, ten, ten fingers, ten toes. And, uh, and I'll take another, another feather in the cap for that. Um, yeah, we're doing our Proving God series. Andy, I'm really, really ring up here, man. Can I have um, a bit less toilet? Uh, we're doing our Proving God series. It's on the, on the behind me. If you, haven't, if, you, <laughs> if you haven't been involved in our Proving God series thus far, then I'll summer. Last week, we actually proved God. So uh, sorry, sorry, I missed that one. Uh, we're going to move on from there. So, you know, maybe like just recap. No, we're not, we're, not, we're not talking about mathematics. We're not talking about quantum physics. We're not getting into the, the kind of argumentative, do, uh, like the, the kind of debating that, that can happen around that. We're, we're, we're getting into something much more important. And there's this incredible verse that for me, I think actually sums up our Proving God series really, really aptly. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, verse 11 to 18 and, and um, Paul here is, is writing this letter to the church in Corinth and he's reminding them about the way life used to be he's reminding them of, of the way that their life was under the law and, and what happened to Moses when Moses experienced the glory of God and, um, and he's talking about that's what he's talking about when he says the old way so uh, we'll jump in at verse 11 so this is 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11 so if the old way which has been replaced was glorious How much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Now this bit in verse 18, this is the bit I love. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. I'll read that again. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Of the Lord and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So, for me, that sums up the Proving God series so well in that it's our lives, it's our hearts that reflect the glory of God and prove His existence, prove His truth, prove His power to the world around us. You know, a lot of times I think we wait for someone to get hit by a lightning bolt. Oh, if only my colleague at work, if only, you know, God appeared to them in a vision. And and yet we're called to reflect. We're called to be a mirror that shines God's goodness out into the world. And that's what the Proving God series is all all about. And, you know, when it comes to proving God, I I think that there are a few things that, that make God's evidence more visible than the power of worship. 
You know, we just had an amazing time of worship just now. I love just the I love the heart for worship in this in this church. I love being able just to to go loud and proud and declare the goodness of God. And I think that that when it comes to proving God, few things display his power more evidently than worship. So that's what I'm talking about tonight. So I'm talking about the power of worship and how our, our hearts prove God in in um, the world around us. You know, it's an easy one as well because worship is what we were created to be. That's what we were made for. So it's kind of like, it's like hand in glove that the two just go together just so so seamlessly that our, our hearts are made to worship God. They're made to be in relationship with God. There's a really old, amazing uh, catechism. I, I don't actually know if I could give a definition of what that is. It's kind of like a, a belief statement, an old, old, old belief statement. And this is called the Westminster Catechism, and it starts with this amazing question: What is the purpose of man? It just this question. Uh, well, okay, better, better answer it because that's kind of a big question just to leave hanging. And it, ans- it asks this question: What is the chief purpose of man? And it answers it immediately: The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Moses, with me. On this <laughs> Let me get there first, Moses. Come on. <laughs> The chief end of man is to glorify God, but not just to glorify God, but to enjoy him forever. I love that those two things go together. It's so good. So, so, so what do I mean when I say worship? When we're talking about worship tonight, what, what, what is that? What is it when, when, we, when we say these words? Because I think Christians can be guilty of, of misrepresenting what worship is or misunderstanding maybe what, what worship counts as. I mean, I say this as I'm someone who plays in the band here at church and, and we talk about worship a lot. We've got you know, worship practice on a Thursday and we've got our, our worship practice before the service. You know, there's a lot of, we, we talk about worship a lot. But, but we talk about, you know, every service we've got praise and worship. But, but when does praise stop and worship begin? At what point, does, what point does it stop being praise and start being worship? Now, if you've been around church for a little while, you'll know the answer to this. If it's a fast song, if it's a fast song, if you're clapping, it's a praise song. There we go. If you're clapping, it's a praise song. If it slows dramatically, and maybe someone puts like a solitary hand in the air, then you're moving into worship territory. And, you, and, and that's a transition there. It's the, it's the, um, that's the, I'm pretty sure that's like a technical definition of, uh, of what worship is. That's not true, and, and it's so like it's such a limitation when we end up talking about worship like that. And I, I, today, I just want to I want to get stuck into that, and I, I want to be hopefully a little bit challenging in, in what worship is, because for me, worship is not singing. When I say worship, I'm not talking about singing. Now that's a challenging statement, and it might sound a little bit scandalous, but but singing does not equal worship. Being musical does not equal worship. Lifting your hands up in church doesn't, doesn't equal worship either. Now, where, where does that leave worship? And what, what, what is worship? If singing isn't worship, if music isn't worship, well, what's worship? And so this is my first point for, for this evening, is this question, well, what is worship? And I've got in brackets why worship is not just singing. So what is worship? Why, is, why worship is not just singing? 
So I think worship is a difficult word to define. So I went into Iron, did some Googling, found an answer that I could never have come up with in a million years. It just so beautifully describes worship. It so accurately sums it up in such a neat little package that I, could not, uh, I couldn't ignore it. This comes from 1828, Webster's Dictionary, the definition for worship. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Just so powerful. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Two things that, there are strong words, guys. Those are strong words. And I think that's so much more important than just singing a song or, or just, just saving it for the time when there's a band on stage. Worship goes way beyond that. And so that's why I think it's so important that, that we, we get into what worship is. You know, I would hate... And that was kind of one of the reasons why I went in strong. I would hate for anyone to think tonight, oh, I'm not musical, so I, I'm not a worshipper. Or I don't play an instrument, so worship, that's not for me. I'll, I'll leave that for the guys that are more creative or a bit more musical, and, and I'll go and do something else. But I'm not a worshipper. I don't care if you sound like two cats flight, fighting in a blender or you've, you've <laughs> had like bagpipe lessons your entire life and you still just everything just sounds bad you're a worshipper through and through it's who you're made to be at your core it's in your heart it's right in the very nitty-gritty of what makes us human god created us to be worshipers and you know i can say that from the flip side because honestly i i can play a bit of guitar and i can sing and, and occasionally i can do both at the same time but I know, I know 100% that there have been times when I've been doing that and that's not been worship. Not by the definition that Webster's Dictionary puts anyway. Where I haven't been giving God extravagant love or extreme submission and, it, and it's, it's been something a bit short of that. So worship is, is so much more than just the songs that we sing. It's, it's a position of the heart. You know, you can wash dishes for a living and that be worship and that be glorious to God. You can, you can do your homework for the subject that you hate the most at school or at college or at uni and it can be worship for God. You know, you can love on your spouse, you can love on your partner and it be worship to God. It's a position of the heart. And it's not just a position of the heart. It's a continuous position of the heart. It's not just a temporary thing that you step in and step out of like the hokey cokey. It is continuous. It goes on. <laughs> Our worship comes from that relationship that we've got with God. And that relationship doesn't just go away. You know, my uh, gorgeous wife, Robin, she's not here tonight. I still know her, even though she's at home with the baby. I, I don't stop being in relationship with her when I step out of the flat and only go back into relationship when I step back in the flat. In the same way, worship isn't just for when the band steps on stage and when the band steps off stage, well, that's a worship finish. You know, there's this continuous relationship that we have with God. God has, has orchestrated this incredible like, plan to bring us into... Oh, I'm spitting a bit there. brought this incredible plan to bring us back into relationship with Him, and it is a continuous thing. It's not so that we just dip our toe in when we feel like it and dip our toe back out again. He wants us immersed, fully submerged, just out in the deep end just in love in love with him you know our worship comes from that place of relationship you know we're not standing on the outside and worshiping that's that's the way that the the jews had to do it before jesus they, they could worship but from the outside looking in and how much more special is it that we get to worship from the inside 
that we get to be in that place where we have relationship with God. So yeah, worship doesn't start at 10.30 and finish at 10.50. It doesn't restart again at 6 o'clock and finish at 20 past and maybe have a final song at the end of the evening. You know, like that's not worship. It's so much more than that. It carries into Monday. It carries into Tuesday. It carries into your meetings at work or when you're making the dinner. It's, it's a heart's continuous response to a God who loves you so passionately. And it's an extravagant love and extreme submission in honor back to God. It's so, it's so good. I love it. And my, that takes me on to my second point. We just talked about what is worship. Well, why do we worship? Why is worship important? And I put in brackets here why worship is not just singing which is the same as I put in the first point but it's, it's true why worship is not just singing you know I think I was thinking about this a lot I, do, I think about this quite regularly actually we talked about it a bit this morning with Kevin's message around uh, Father's Day and how much we, we learn from our parents you know we're the product of our, of our parents we're the product of our upbringing but beyond just our parental influence there's a, like a cultural thing that goes on as well here you know if you've grown up in another country if you've grown up in another part of the world or you spent time traveling you'll be exposed to different cultures and you'll see different mindsets that people think through things differently and I'm always conscious that I've grown up predominantly in a Western British culture and that my view on life is shaped and molded by that for better or for worse. I can't, I can't get around that. That's, you know, that's the way things are. And I think one of the things that I'm most conscious of is that our society, particularly today, particularly in Britain, is so fixated on this kind of humanist outlook on life that what you see is what you get. There is no more that you die and that's it, buddy. Get over it. Like there's this kind of like, there's this, there's only the natural there, there's no there's no room for the supernatural in our society today and i'm i'm worried that that affects or clouds my vision and i, I, I want to talk about that a little bit around this idea of worship you know i think it's sometimes we can dilute the things of god and we can make them into just just natural kind of acts i'll give you a couple of examples here which i think are super super important and they're all kind of tied to worship for example, you know, I, I remember I grew up being taught that baptism is a, is a symbolic thing. It is. It's, symbolic it's a symbolic declaration of Jesus dying and rising again. A tithing. Tithing's a, it's a symbolic gesture about how we're putting God first in all the areas of our lives. Communion is a reminder of what Jesus did on the cross. But it's not just symbolic. It's not just a reminder. Don't get me wrong. All those things are absolutely 100% true. But if that's all that they are, then we're stopping way short of the mark. We've missed the point altogether. There's something so much more powerful. And it shifts in the supernatural when we, when we, uh, when we love on God and when we honor him. So when we take communion as a church, we are aligning ourselves with the death of Jesus Christ. And we're saying that I'm standing on what he did for me. When I got baptized, I was declaring to the world, here's my position. This is where I stand. Here's a line in the sand and this is the side that I'm on. And that's not just a symbolic thing. That changes in the supernatural. Beyond what we can see, beyond what we can experience in the natural, there's, there's so much more than that. So I want to I give you an example. Um, I, 
I don't really care that much about football. I enjoy playing football. I don't really enjoy watching football, and I definitely don't enjoy following a team. And like the worst part of all of that would be to follow a team in the in the Scottish leagues because what are you doing? Come on, <laughs> just like like watch EastEnders or something. It's like just as much drama, just as much talent. <laughs> No, I'm, that's, that's too political. That's too political, guys. Come on, come on. No, but my, when I, was, I remember when I was a kid, my dad, he's from Glasgow. He's a Rangers supporter. And, um, you know, I used to like play, I used to enjoy playing football. But I remember, I must have been maybe about, I don't know, like nine or ten or something like that. And I remember my dad bought me a full Rangers strip, like, like the tracksuit bottoms and the, and the tracksuit top as well. And I thought, like, I was the bee's knees. Like, I was like, those are some nice clothes. Wow, like tracky bottoms, guys. Hello. <laughs> to me, they were nice clothes. And, and I remember, I absolutely remember this. And this is really, really, this is like, this changed, like, probably had an impact on the remainder of my life. Not in a big day, not in a big way. It wasn't like, you know, I didn't kill a guy or something like that. But like, I remember walking out of my front door to go and play, to go and play football with my best friend who lived up the street from me. His name was Richard. He came down to play football. We were going over to the school to play. And his dad was walking down with him just to kind of shoot the breeze with my parents or whatever. And his dad looks at me and goes, I was wearing my Rangers strip. His dad looks at me and goes, oh, you're a Rangers fan, are you? Well, I guess I won't be able to talk to you ever again. Now, he was absolutely joking, but I was mortified. <laughs> I think, like, probably the appropriate ranger's response would have been to, you know, to stick the head in or something. Oh, yeah, I won't talk to you about it. No, I was like, oh, I don't know what this... Why? Why would he not... Why is he... I've offended him by the clothes I'm wearing. And, like... For me, I, I just thought that they were nice clothes, but there was nothing more to it than that. I didn't, I didn't realize that by wearing these clothes, I'd aligned myself to a particular team. And by aligning myself to this team, that, that separated me from, from Richard's dad. And, and that was just a joke, and he was just playing, he was just having a go at me. I never wore that strip ever again. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I tell you, I put that in a drawer, and I never wore it because I was so convinced that I was going to offend people. People, like, I was just like why would anyone not talk to me? Because I, there must be something wrong with this. Put it away and I never wore it again. Crazy. I didn't realize there was something more powerful beyond the fact that there was just clothes in a particular shade of blue. You know? Like, and it's exactly the same way when we talk about the things of God that there is this, there, yes, baptism is a symbolic gesture. And yes, when we worship there are words that come out of our mouth in the natural, but there's something that we are aligning ourselves to in the supernatural that is more powerful than that. It is bigger, it is better, it is stronger, and we are saying, I'm on this side, there's the line, and this is what I'm saying. And it, is, it has the ability to move mountains in your life, to shake and break and just do amazing things. And I, I want to just get into that tonight because that is why we worship. You know, when we sing out about who God is, when we sing out about what he has done for us, we are, are, are aligning ourselves. We are aligning ourselves to God, God of the heavens. You're standing and declaring his victory over your life. And those aren't just words. There's something more powerful behind them that, that shifts and changes. You know, living a life of worship makes room for God's presence to get around you. You might think those are just words that we sing, but, but it's so much more than that. 
That's why, that's why we push in in worship. That's why we just let it go and just give it over to God because we are giving him space to show up. And when God shows up, things start kicking off. You know, having that worship around you just, just leads to that excitement. It leads to that joy. Just, just that, like, you're like a sponge that you just kind of squeeze and wring that out as you go through your day. And, you know, people cannot help but just get that aroma. They get that kind of fragrance on the inside. It's amazing. It's powerful. And I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Like, it's so important for, for me to, to be in connection with God in that way because it's so powerful. And even more so, guys, when we come together as a church, when we stand as one body and we lift our voices together and we sing that one song, it is so much. That, that power that I'm talking about gets amplified by us lifting each other up and pushing in together that we would stand strong as one team and that we would see God move in this place. That's why we do what we do. And there's so much power in that. You know, imagine if during those times where we've got corporate praise and worship that everyone just sang whatever the heck they wanted to. Everyone sang their own song. Maybe everyone sang like their own like hymn or worship song or whatever. It's still godly. It would sound terrible. It would be loud, yes, but and the words would be true, yes, but how much more special, how much more powerful is it when we together, united, declare who God is over our lives, over the city, over our families, over this nation, that we just declare his goodness, we declare his greatness, and things shift when we do that as a church, when we stand together, there is power. You know, it builds faith, it breaks mindsets. You know, if you don't feel like it, worship in that place. I guarantee you that, that things will change. Your situation will start to shift. Things will break because they are not just words. They are words that have power over our lives and power in the supernatural. Now, I've talked a little bit about football, but there's an interesting thing which I found out a little while ago about American football. Now, I follow NFL probably more than I follow football, football. Um, just because I just think it's so over the top, so showy and just so extravagant. And it's just like, it's just so American and it's amazing just to watch it. <laughs> now, the Seattle Seahawks, some of you maybe know this, but the Seattle Seahawks are famous for their 12th man. Now, if you know NFL rules, there are 11 men on the pitch. The 12th man refers to the audience, the spectators. Now, the Seattle Seahawks are... I think it's something like in the last three seasons, their 12th man, their spectators are so persuasive for the Seattle Seahawks that they had something like a, out of 28 games in three seasons, they had lost two at home. 26 wins, two losses. And all of that is coming because of the volume of their fans. The volume, that's it. All in the how loud they shout. Now, I find this out. The average human shouts around 80 decibels, which is pretty loud, I think. The average human, that's, that's our, our kind of limit. For uh, worship up the back, we kind of run it around 90 decibels, sometimes 95. The, that's where we're kind of talking about there. And, we, you know, we, we run things pretty loud here. We like, to, we like to turn it up. If you were to stand 100 meters away from a jumbo jet taking off, it would be 130 decibels. Pretty loud. 
And the Seahawks fans have recorded 137 decibels in their stadium during a game. There's an example that I got. The New York Giants were playing at uh, the Seahawks ground in Seattle. I don't don't know when this was. It was a couple of years back, I think. And they had 11 false start penalties, 11 false start penalties, and missed three touchdowns directly as a result of the volume of the fans. It's deafening. Like, it's actually deafening. They cannot hear what's going on. The the enemy, the, the, the enemy cannot hear the play to be able to make a decision. So there's guys just false starting everywhere. Oh, I thought we were going. And it's deafening. You know, all right, this, this is my last point around the Seattle Seahawks, but get this. The, the not, this is amazing. The noise is so loud that it has set off earthquakes before. I'm absolutely not, not joking. I'm telling you the truth. There, there have been times when they have shouted so loud that they have set, started minor earthquakes. It's amazing, but there's volume in that. It's, I'm talking about the power when people come together and they point their voices in one direction and they yell as one. There is something incredibly powerful in that. And in the same way, when we come together and lift our voices, I'm not talking about the volume that we get, but I'm talking about the power that there is in the supernatural when we stand together and we push in and we say, I am chasing after you, God, and I'm going to move in for this. And, and as one, we take a step forward. You know, it's like that tug of war. If you've ever been in a tug of war, it's like school sports day or something like that. You're like, you feel like you're on your own, but it's every single person together. And when you muscle in, you make ground. You take ground and you start to see things move and shift. And if I take that, if I take that American football analogy one step further, you know what? I tell you this. If, if the Seattle Seahawks opposition get deafened, how much more so does the enemy get confused and scattered in our lives when we declare the truth of God, when we stand strong and just say, no, this is what's true. The enemy is deafened by that and it cannot stand. It's so, so powerful. You know, we position ourselves under God to say, this is where I'm at. And we allow God just to move in power through us. These are not just words, guys. It's not just singing. It's not just music. You know, I was thinking about it, if the Christian faith is like a relationship, and that's how, that's how I love to describe that. You know, the Bible is God's love letter to us about how he, how he fought and bled and died to bring us back into his presence, into his relationship, because he loved us so much. Now, if, if we're in relationship with God, then our worship is the I love yous that just spring up from us. You know, they just come, come forth and just bubble up. It's that natural... Thing. That's that natural overflow as we love on God for who he is and, and what he does in our lives. You know, and that's why we've got drums. That's why we've got instruments. That's why we have vocal melodies and vocal harmonies because we want to give something great and the words are not enough. If I just say, God, I love you, that's, that's true, but it it's falls so far short of the truth of the matter and I want to use everything I've got to declare that. I want to get my hands involved and play guitar. I want to get my feet involved and stamp the beat. I want to declare... With with all that, every atom of oxygen in my lungs, that God is great and that I love him. And that is our worship. It's that overflow. It's that relationship of who God is. It's so, it's extravagant. And that's that definition that I came, I came up to at the start. That worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. And that's why we do what we do here. We love on God extravagantly. We love on God generously. 
You know, so do not underestimate the power of worship for preparing a way to break through in, for God to break through in your life. You know, we, we are doing prayer requests and praise reports every week, which is amazing. I love it. I love seeing the testimonies start to come flooding in of people who've just seen God move in their lives, whether it be their life or their friend's life or their family's like, situation or, or in a job situation. But you know what, guys? Worship prepares your heart for allowing God to come in and do something there because it aligns you. It's that positioning. It's that allowing God to just be in that place just to, to move through you. You know, I want to live life loud. I want you to, to live life loud as well. I want, I want your life to be a, an adventure full of worship. That It would just be a relationship with you and God as you go through life experiencing him more and more and learning what it is to, to love him more and more. You know, I, I want that extravagant love for God and I want that extreme submission to be what he's saying, you know, as, we, as he guides us. You know, it's so, so, so good. If you take away anything to, to, tonight, I want you to take away that, that the worship that we sing is not just flowery words and catchy melodies. It's not just chords and sounds. There are declarations of our position in God's, in God's plan, in God's power. It's a supernatural Alignment that allows God to do incredible things through us. It positions our heart for, for just the most amazing time with God, just the most amazing experience. You know, and that doesn't have to be here, right, just, just here, just now, just on a Sunday. You know, that can be you driving to work in the morning. That can be you doing the ironing. That can be you just like cooking dinner or doing the dishes. That can be in all these situations that our worship just overflows because it's a continuous place of the heart thanks for listening if you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com god bless